Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley Wolf, and I'm here as usually with editor at large of Super Jump Magazine, Wyatt Donigan. Hey, how's it going? I'm uh, not doing too bad, not doing too bad. Ready to, we got some, some cool things to talk about today, I think. Well, some cool things, some kind of downer things, but we got it. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good point. We, we do have some, uh, some good things to talk about, and no matter if they are good or bad, I think they're good to talk about. That's my promise yeah. to the audience. I didn't pick bad things to talk about. Oh, um, yes, yeah. Not bad in that sense. Just bad in the... You'll, you'll see. You'll see. I'm just giving the people a teaser, you know? So let's jump into our Playtime Report. Why? What you been playing? Um, so mainly I've been playing Apex Legends because, you know, it dropped yeah. almost... It's been almost two weeks now since it came out. Um... And basically every day I've played at least like, you know, three or four games uh, or like today where I've been playing for the last probably like six hours. Um, it's just fun. It's it's a very refreshing take on the BR genre, which I uh, it might sound a little bit weird, but just because, you know, we've really only had three major BRs since, yeah you know, we've had PUBG, Fortnite, and then Blackout. And, you know, Fortnite I loved... A lot when it first came out um, and then I played a lot of PUBG but that PUBG is a very particular type of game I feel but Fortnite I played a lot of and then when Blackout came out I played a lot of that as well but both of those just seem to get fairly stale kind of quick um, mm-hmm. but there's just something about Apex that just feels really good the game just feels super polished and I just I, I like a lot of the the mechanics that they've put in, you know, the ping system. Um, I mean, that alone is huge because it makes it a lot easier to play with random people um, who may not have a mic. So that's really, yeah. really cool. And I, and I hope that's something that they add. Like That almost feels like that has to be a standard now for any BR that's coming out after this. If it doesn't have the ping system, then it's going to feel a little bit weird because it feels very natural now. Um but yeah, it's just been fun. I've just been playing, you know, I've got gotten a few wins. Um and it just it's just a fun game. I just I find myself it BRs have just for some reason latched onto me. It just gives you that that one more game type feel where even if you don't really get a good drop, you're like, all right, well hey, let me just jump into it again and you know, get right back into this. So it's uh it's it's good. And they've already made one update on I believe Tuesday that fixed some bugs and they added in some new like cosmetic items and they teased another update that's coming this week. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming and and the seasons haven't even started yet. The first season starts in March and it's gonna have a battle pass kind of like Fortnite with new weapons, new new legends, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's fun now, but I feel like it's only gonna get better as the weeks go on. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. There hasn't been a major update to it yet, right? No, not a big one. It's just been like bug fixes for crashes and stuff like that, but nothing, no like balance changes or anything like that yet. Yeah, um, I I'm excited to see where it goes. I I hope it stays uh, strong because it's doing a lot of things that I think Fortnite and Call of Duty could learn from. Um, but speaking of of battle royales you were saying we've only had three major ones <laughs> and this would be the fourth well i think there's already a fifth um it was it was announced recently we've both been playing it tetris 99 so this <laughs> i think is a battle royale 
It is. I, it 100% is. Yeah. I mean, okay, so most of the battle royales we've seen are, are shooters. But just because this isn't, I don't think means it isn't a battle royale. I was just playing um, right before we started uh, the, the podcast, actually. I was just playing Tetris. And I it took me a, a couple minutes to get used to this version of Tetris's controls. And the idea of, like, how much I should be focusing on, on where I'm directing my my Tetrises and uh, how much I should be actually focusing on the game of Tetris. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, it was definitely a little cumbersome at first to, to get a hold of that. But once I did, it, it's really cool. Um, I, I'm excited to say that I got to the rank of 16th. Um, I, I, I scored as high as 16th. What's your best Tetris 99 game? I think it was... I think I got eight, eight or nine. That's really good. Um, it, That's it's really good. Like, it, it's weird. Like, I got that, that eight or nine. I think that was... So it came out, what was that, Thursday? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. So I think on Thursday, I got that, like, the eighth place or, or whatever. And then I was playing it again last night, and I couldn't even get into the top 50. I was like, these Tetris 99 people have already evolved. Like, the meta is growing <laughs> as we speak. Because it, yeah. it felt like it was it was super hard. Um, but it's fun. I, I can't believe that this exists. I mean, people have always kind of joked that if there's a game out, there's probably a BR for it. And like, this mm-hmm. is the most extreme example you could say. Um, yeah. but you know, it's free. It's, it's the same kind of Tetris that we've been playing for, you know, all of our lives basically. Um, and you know, it's, it's just another one of those things. It, it, it gives me that same feel to like one more time, because it's like, if I lose, I'm like, well, now I, I can just jump right back in and try and, and try and get a higher score. Um, and it gives, there's like a rush to it. There's a thrill. So, you know, it's certainly, it's got all of the makings of a battle royale. It doesn't have shooting. There's no looting, but you know, you're trying to beat 98 other people. So I think it fits. Yeah. It is strange. I think that they didn't just go for a um, hundred. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why it's ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is odd how they decided to do. Yeah. Maybe they thought Tetris one hundred didn't sound as catchy as Tetris ninety nine. That's probably true. It, it does feel a little bit stronger um, in, in terms of marketing, probably. Mm-hmm. Now you've also been playing another uh, another thing that launched Wednesday, as was. Um, as was advertised via the Nintendo Direct, Yoshi's Crafted Worlds demo. How did that go? Uh, it was pretty fun. I actually didn't really have a lot of interest in trying it out or playing it. Like, you know, I saw it during the Direct and I thought it was cool. Um, but then I saw uh, Trihex. He's he's a speedrunner. Um, his kind of main speedrun franchise is Yoshi's Island. Um, that was kind of what got him big. And then he did Mario Odyssey and stuff like that, but he was talking about the speedrun capabilities or like the speedrun outlook of Crafted World. And when I heard that, I was like, ooh, speedruns. Cause I, I did, I speedrun, speed ran uh, Mario Odyssey back around when it came out. Uh, oh, so, yeah? I, so I, yeah, so I kind of have that like speedrun itch in me already. Um, so when I heard people start putting up like scores for, for any percent and for 100% for Crafted World, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. It's pretty fun. The The controls are, are a little bit different 
Um, it, it, some some of it feels a bit clunky uh, because it's it's very hard to aim while you're in the air, even though that's kind of like the quickest way, and that's how most of the old Yoshi's Island speed runs. Uh, you 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 did a lot of right. aiming while you're in the air, so so this one feels like it's going to take a little bit getting used to, but it's really fun. I like it. Um, it it, it works very differently it's a it's 2d but they play a lot with the foreground and the background so you can shoot things that are off in the background of the scene and you can shoot things that are kind of in front of yoshi like right up against the screen um so it adds a different element to things it kind of changes it up a little bit and it, it i think it'll be very interesting to see how that translate translates when it comes to speed runs because usually with yoshi you're just used to just going left and right, but now that you actually have to shoot things that are kind of technically, you know, in front of the screen, behind the screen, all of that, I think it's going to add a a pretty good uh, element to things. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. So it was pretty fun. If you like Yoshi stuff, I think it'll be uh, it'll be a, an enjoyable experience. But I'm just I'm curious now to see kind of how it's going to develop and evolve once the game actually comes out next month. My thing with that game is that it looks really slow. It looks mm-hmm. like Yoshi doesn't have very many opportunities to gain momentum or for uh, anything to really happen at that fast of a pace. Where Yoshi's Island was a pretty fast game. Um, does the demo feel that way? I haven't played it yet. Yeah, no, it, it definitely feels like that. Cause it, yeah, it, and I think that's probably what makes it feel even... or That's why it kind of feels... Oh, pretty clunky because of the fact that you're not really moving so fast so it kind of feels like you're just kind of waddling along so then when you're trying to jump or trying to aim it it just feels a little bit off because the pace just the pace is very slow um so like that's not something that i don't know if that's something that they're gonna you know change between now and at least that just might be kind of the vibe that, that they're going for it definitely um, seems that way. It seems like they want the Yoshi franchise to be a slower, more child-friendly thing, mm-hmm. where the first Yoshi's Island game is known for being kind of hard and, and yeah. fast and uh, abusable in terms of speedrun and high-level play techniques. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I Which, guess that's, yeah. that's kind of like Nintendo's way these days, is kind of like, you know, very much appealing to the casual fan base. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with casuals or anything like that, but it very much seems like for they go out of their way to try and make things not so hard to try and make things a lot easier than they they have to be or than they should be um you know it didn't seem like there's no like assisted mode that i can see kind of like you know like they had for uh for odyssey where it would give you hints and tell you where to go and all that kind of stuff so it didn't seem like at least in the demo that's not there so they didn't go that far but they definitely have slowed it down quite a bit to try and you know, make it more accessible to other people, which, you know, that's, that's most of their people who are going to buy this game that, you know, they're not making the game for the speedrunners they are making the game for, for the casual audience who's just going to, you know, pick up Yoshi for their kids. But so you kind of, you understand, but it also feels a bit odd when you're trying to, from like a, from that standpoint, you know, a competitive quote unquote standpoint, uh, it feels a little bit odd. It does. Um, I, I hope I hope it turns out to be uh, a game that at least uses that clunkiness in an interesting way mm-hmm. and has a lot of opportunities 
for for more interesting play beyond what we've seen. But be, with what we've seen, I I don't know. This is I don't think it's the the game for me. I have a problem getting really into slower action platformers because mm. to me it just kind of feels like the opposite of what an ac- action platformer should be doing. Kirby is this the same way. Mm-hmm. But I know those games have a lot of fans, so probably just me thing. Uh, last game, my what I've been playing the most recently is Dragon Quest Three. We talked about it last time on the podcast. I definitely thought it'd be done by this episode because the first two games, um, well, the first game took me like one day, and the second game took me I think like two days. And this one, I've been playing. I've been playing definitely shorter play sessions of this one because. I, I just played, like, two of the games right before it, mm-hmm. so I'm slowing down. But it's way longer. It's so much bigger. I did not expect the jump in scope between Dragon Quest 1 and 2 and Dragon Quest 3. It's a, it's pretty incredible. It's really up there. It's a really, really um, long, big game for an NES RPG, which I very much didn't expect. I thought that I beat the game, and I did not beat the game. I think <laughs> w- when when I did the thing that made me think I beat the game, I was actually only at the halfway point in the game. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that thing where where people who first played Ocarina of Time, uh, when when they got to the Temple of Time, they thought they that was the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely had that, except in in this one. It it was so much, so much later than that point in Ocarina of Time. <laughs> I did so many more things before I got to that part where I thought I beat the game, and I very much did not yet beat the game. Um, <laughs> it it's pretty cool in 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 the way that the game expands in the second half. Harkens back in in some ways to the first two Dragon Quest games, where. The, the land of Alephgard, which is where you are in the first Dragon Quest game, mm-hmm. is apparently just, like, the hell of the third Dragon Quest game. And that's, once you've finished, like, th- that first bit in the main world in Dragon Quest Three, you get sent down to Alephgard, which is like an underworld, and you see the, the land of Dragon Quest One just... Um, before any of that stuff happens, because 3 is a prequel. But you see it in, in total disarray, and it's all like a dark, crazy, dark, evil place, and it, it it's wild. I don't know any game that has repurposed previous series uh, locations and branding elements like that in, in quite the same way. It's really cool, and I definitely didn't expect something like that from um, from an NES rpg mm-hmm. yeah it's cool though i w- i would very much recommend people check out check out the original couple dragon quests but before we talk about any kind of recommendations let's head into the newsy nibble we got some news wyatt we we have some real news to talk about we do we do uh let's start with the bad stuff 800 people were, in fact, laid off from Activision Blizzard this week. Last week, we talked about maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Uh, this week, it did happen. It it immediately followed 
a uh, a PR statement saying that this is going to be their highest, or this was just mm-hmm. now their highest revenue year of all time. Their their highest performing year, and just this past quarter specifically was their best quarter ever in the company's history. Yeah, it was weird, and like they, you know, I. Obviously, I have uh, the site that I work for. We have a like a, a sister site that does Call of Duty, so they were very much keeping on top of all of this um, with this being like an activist thing and everything. So he was listening to the to the call, and the first thing that the guy said, the president or whoever was leading the 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 sales call, like he opens with that statement of this was the highest revenue year of all time. When at the same time, you know, all the reports are coming out of them laying off all these workers and everything. And it was just, it, it just felt very odd. It, I still, you know, I, I, it seems like they're kind of going through an overhaul slash kind of restructure with what they're, what they're focusing on, but it still just felt very off to, to be like, Hey, we made a lot of money, but we're, we're yeah. laying off a ton of people at the same time. I, I just don't understand how this could be like in, in any possible way. A justifiable thing mm-hmm. it I, i'm trying to think about about it from the perspective of like oh maybe there are some hidden costs that aren't coming up but like if these people were hired in previous quarters that weren't as good why would this quarter that is now much better than anything that's ever happened be the time to let them go yeah it just and not only to let them go but the manner in which they did it you know if if Jason Schreier was from Kotaku was kind of tweeting about it a lot during the week where, you know, the, the workers found out from the news reports, you know, they, they read these news reports that said, you know, layoffs are coming. So, so they sat through, I think that came out like maybe Wednesday or Thursday of the week before. Um, and these layoffs happened Monday. So they had to sit for like five days, not knowing whether or not they were going to lose their job. And he said there were people, you know, in the parking lot outside crying and hugging each other because, you know, they were just finding yeah. out or they hadn't found out yet. So it, it just felt very, very, I mean, it was a very corporate kind of thing, but it just felt very cruel. And just like you said, it's confusing because it's it, it like, why now? Why do this now of all times? You know, when you just had a really, really good quarter, the best quarter. Yeah, maybe and, and one conspiracy theory I've heard was that they wanted to do this layoff for a uh, a while now but only now that they've had their best quarter ever can they afford all of the severance they'll have to uh. pay to actually uh fire those people uh, not fire that's a different thing than laying off yeah. but, <laughs> right um but that makes sense though that does make a lot of sense because if, yeah because if if before they were down they wouldn't be able to pay the severance and it could just leave the company in a bad spot but now that they're kind of riding high, they're like, oh, well, we can afford to kind of take this loss now that we're up so high. Which, like I said, it's a very corporate thing, but it's also just something that feels, just feels kind, yeah. of, kind, of, it's kind of scummy. It is pretty scummy. Um, so so here's, here's another element to this that I thought was interesting. They said that they were, despite this quarter being the best quarter they've ever had, it was below expectations. Mm-hmm. So they expected to have the best quarter they've ever had by a lot, and they didn't get that. They only got the best quarter they've ever had by, by some, <laughs> uh, which to me s- s- sounds like bad management. 
you would mm-hmm. you wouldn't put that kind of expectations on your employees and even when you've done better than you've ever have in the past yeah still consider that a disappointment or a failure um so logically if you have that bad management and you're trying to cut a bunch of people uh you would take away some of that money going to the top strata of your company and that is absolutely not what happened um <laughs> The CEO and president of Activision Blizzard is Bobby Kotick, and he his the last time his salary was reported it was in 2017, where he made 1.7 uh, 1.75 million dollars in that year, um, and, and was was guaranteed to get that that same salary or more uh, again in 2018. And I'm sure he's still there, so I'm sure that's still around the same margin. Uh, he also owes, uh, not owes, sorry, owns over $26 million in company's stock. Jeez. Making his, uh, he started in 2017, so the amount of money that he's collected from Activision Blizzard in that time is well over $30 million. Goodness. Yeah, you know. But, you know, we're just going to cut all the people that make the games for us. Sure. <laughs> it just feels... You know, it, during the call, they did say... They, they made mention of they're kind of going to be... They said something along the lines of we're going to be focusing on... They mentioned Overwatch. They mentioned um, Call of Duty. So it really seems like they're kind of... In their eyes, they're kind of shutting off some of the extra fat so that they can really hone in on their key franchises, which, you know, makes sense. But at the same time, both Call of Duty and Overwatch are kind of in a weird state right now anyways because a lot of people are not happy with both games. So why cut the people? You know, it it just feels like a, like they're not seeing the forest or the trees kind of thing. You know, they're they're trying to make these these big high-level moves, but not really looking at the the details that are going to help them get there. Well, uh, last week we talked about my friend who was working on the esports aspect of Overwatch. Thankfully, yeah. he does still have a job. Oh, that's good. Uh, that said, 25% of his department was laid off. Yikes. Um, which is much higher than the average of 8% uh, across their whole company. Mm-hmm. So, Overwatch is supposed to be one of their big ones. <laughs> Overwatch is, yeah. is supposed to be one, one of the big, well-performing games. And you're still cutting... 25 percent well and that's uh, and that's the weird part because you know like you said you you overwatch is supposed to be like they're kind of one of their bread and butters and it is but at the same time you know the the competitive community you know which is where the esports side is really uh geared towards they're not happy with the state of the game because there's not a lot of uh like meaningful changes and the meta gets stale and because like metas and overwatch will last for months because they don't make a lot of changes to it. So people are getting bored, upset, frustrated. So the fact that they, you know, that's already happening and then they're laying off 20% of that esports side of the staff is just another kind of question mark of like, okay, what's actually happening here? It, yeah, I, there, there's gotta be some sort of uh, motive behind this that, makes more sense because truly I don't understand why you would want to get rid of this many people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
There, there's been some reports coming out that a lot of the people that were laid off, not all of them because it is 800 people, um, but a lot of them were along the lines of, of something to do with community management. Mm. So PR and outward facing esports stuff, um, blogging type people, those did get uh, laid off. And there's been some response to this that are saying like, okay, well, you know, that's that sucks, but at least it's not devs. If if you have a problem with the way that Activision has been uh, explaining their more controversial moves to the public, this should be really alarming. Yeah, exactly. Should, yeah, and I do, and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. They're they're not uh, technically game developers in the same way, I suppose, but really they they're doing a lot of work, especially on Blizzard's side, where so much of, of what they do is actually just inviting the community in to shape what their games are, mm-hmm. uh, or at least that has been what the Blizzard side has done recently. Yeah. So losing those people, I think, hurts a lot. Hugely. Yeah, exactly, because I think people sometimes get too hyper-focused on the devs, and of course the devs are needed, and and because the, the, the games literally wouldn't exist without the devs, but you know, the devs do everything behind closed doors. The the PR, the customer service, those, those the the figure, the talking heads, I mean, that, I know that normally has a negative connotation, but the, the mouthpieces, I guess, of the company are in those departments that have gotten laid off. So yeah. even though the devs are doing things, it's everyone else that is talking and trying to talk the community off ledges and trying to, like you said, explain a lot of the moves. And if, and if that's where you're cutting then it's like, okay, you have games that are already in states that people are upset about, and then you're getting rid of the people that are supposed to calm everybody down. So now it's like you might have more unrest and more everything on top of that. So it just, it, it's just all, there's just something that just looks very off with, with Activision Blizzard right now. I wonder if they're looking at the success of Crash Bandicoot and how that took money to make but once it came out they didn't have to keep updating it mm, almost at all yeah. and they didn't have to to worry about a, a pr person for that game so much they didn't yeah. have to worry ab- about a lot of the ongoing things that games like call of duty and all of mm-hmm. blizzard stuff require and they, they saw oh man that's cheaper we could even put more money into the development of the game uh, it, it, if we cut more money from the 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 tail end of its involve our involvement with that game for the public, maybe maybe that and, and, and Spyro and their their success with those games has convinced them that making a, a process for themselves with a a lot of people working on games after they have made most of their money is just not. It's just not the way it should work out. And they are cutting a lot of their staff in preparation to that formula of game. So they, they, they want to be making just more games at once every year. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that 100%. Because, like, you know, yeah. even though with Overwatch, you know, you might make money off of, off of loot boxes and Call of Duty, people might buy, you know, the, the expansion passes, but... But to a certain point, you, you know, you, you you stop actually making money, you know, because mm-hmm. people buy the game once and then they just play it all year. 
Whereas, you know, like you said, if you're dropping a bunch of games like Spyro Crash or, or whatever kind of single player one-offs, or even if they have multiplayer, but something that doesn't take a lot of yeah. of, of muscle power to keep going, I'm sure you, you make more money off of it. But, you know, it just... there. But then there's still just going to be... You can't please everybody, but then you still just have these these core communities that could end up getting pushed off by the wayside if that's kind of the direction that they, they decide to go. The, the thing is that if that is how they feel, none of the rest of the video game industry feels that way. Like yeah, all exactly. of EA's focuses right now, their, their major projects are living games. Mm-hmm. All of um, Square Enix is, is trying to make games that evolve a lot more with, with the player as they go through them. Bethesda who's championed single-player linear storylines before, and not linear in the gameplay sense, but, like, you go through them and there's an yeah. end, um, put out this living game recently. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like everyone's trying to go there, and Activision Blizzard is just walking away from a number of things that they already have. They already have established communities for um, World of Warcraft and Overwatch and Call of Duty and, and all of these other things... And, and and Destiny, I'm I'm sure their agreement with Bungie to just like let them go do their own thing was was tied to this in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder why. I wonder why there's they seem to be moving away from living yeah. games. Yeah, it's like it's like what what do they see that we don't? Because like you said, we we see all these other companies that are all kind of aligning and doing one thing, uh, it evolving really. You know, trying to to keep up with these things, but then. You know, you have this company that seems to be doing the direct opposite, it, you know, just flying in the face of the entire industry. And it just feels it, it everything just paints a very puzzling picture. You know, it kind of makes me kind of think about when we were talking about Sony a while back, where we're just kind of confused about what it is they're planning. Like, you know, what what is what is the rationale behind some of these moves? And it feels very much the same with, with yeah. Activision Blizzard, where it's just... You know, I don't know. It's like maybe they, they just have the, I don't. I've, I'm sure they have a you know a team of analysts that look at all this stuff, but it just feels like what are they analyzing? Because from what from what yeah. we can see, yeah. you know, they're just literally driving on the opposite direction and you know driving into a storm, whereas everybody else is is comfortably away from that now. So it'll be very interesting to see. I think 2019 will be a a fairly big year um, to kind of see what they can do post this kind of big layoff season and see, you know, cause they, they kind of have to back it up now. Cause if you lay off all these yeah. people yeah. and then you have an even worse quarter and your sales go down, then it's like, okay, was it, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. You got rid of everybody and now all of your games suck, you know, what have you. But mm-hmm. so they have a, they've got a tall task for the next 12 months, I think. They really do, but earlier you did say uh, the phrase direct opposite, so let's head into the direct opposite of this <laughs> news. Uh, Nintendo came out with a Nintendo Direct on Wednesday, last Wednesday. You're probably listening to this on a Wednesday, but it's the other one, the previous one, that had a lot of interesting news in it, and I thought we could play a little bit of a game, Wyatt. I want to rank how cool you think each of these announcements are. And on the on the Google Doc that we're sharing this episode on, we have ten uh, major announcements that I, I've uh, marked with 
black circles. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a few other announcements that I want to get through first because uh, I'm, we're we're not going to be ranking those because I feel like they're not so much exciting news as much as just kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, the Yoshi demo came out. Do you think it was mm -hmm. a good idea to let people? Uh, I, I mean, I, it was probably a good idea to let people play it, but every demo is an investment. Did you get a lot out of that demo? Yeah, I mean, there it only has it has two. Well, so each level has like an A side and a B side. Um, yeah. So it's it's got one full level, um, and then there's like an extra little side quest thing you can do. So you know, all in all, it, it only takes the 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 demo is very short. I think if you played through it, you can finish it in like ten minutes. Um, but uh, but I think it was good. You know, I'm always a fan of of letting people try things because. Like me, I probably would have just completely looked the other way with this game. But now that I've played it, I'm like, oh, hey, this might be a game that I pick up. So I think it was a good idea. And, I, and it's a small enough chunk that I feel like it probably didn't take too much manpower to kind of do and, and too much to kind of get out there. Um, cool, cool, cool. So yeah, I think it was good. So in, in a similar vein, the Damon X Machina demo was released called The Prototype Missions. Uh, again, neither of us have played that, so I don't think we can really comment it on it. Mm -hmm. Comment on it, but it definitely seems longer than ten minutes. Yeah. And uh, from my understanding, this is stuff that is made specifically to be a demo that is not going to be in the main game. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, that's always cool when they do that. Mm -hmm. Just release a, a free slice of the main game that you don't need to repeat at all when you when you play it. That was um, the worst part of demos back in the day, where like, especially back when the PS2 days, where you had full demos, so you play through like a 30-minute portion of the game, and then when the yeah. game came out, you had to play through that same exact portion. Rough. Yeah, all, all those uh, Pizza Hut demo discs for the yep. PS1. <laughs> yeah. I love those, though. Those are great. Uh, those are good. Those are, That was the heyday. I remember, like, I used to subscribe to all the magazines that gave you, like, full demos. I used to keep them all. It was, it was, it was, it was a different time. Yeah. Unfortunately, new, or analysis has come out that says... Demos in general actually have a pretty good probability of lowering your sales. Um, so I kind of understand why they're not yeah. doing them so much anymore. But for things like Damon X Machina, I think that's actually the perfect game for a demo. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't know anyone who's super sold on it already. But maybe the, the demo can, can uh, prove that it's more accessible than the trailers make that game look. Because the trailers make that game look like some really like a hodgepodge of, of just systems and, and uh and action and <laughs> a lot of things to keep track of at once yeah yeah um so this is technically a new game announcement but i didn't include it here because uh or in, include it in, in the ranking that we're about to do because it looked so bad and i knew that it was just going to be the last one and i didn't want to do that the dead by daylight switch port looks <laughs> so ugly Good i don't I don't yeah. know why they put this game on the Switch. <laughs> that makes no sense. I don't sense know why they put this game in a direct, man. Like, you can put it on the Switch and just say, yeah, it's just, and you know, it, it's there. But yeah. they put it in a direct almost, and, and they focused on it. They, they, they showed, like, aspects of this game uh, trying to market it, and it just looked so ugly, man. It was well, so framey, so, yeah. like, desaturated. Well, and the weird part is the game kind of looks like ass even when you play it on PC. Like, I watch people play yeah. it on, yeah. on streams and it doesn't look the greatest. So, that on the Switch is, you know, just a, it's like you said, it's even worse. So, 
Yeah, I guess I'm I'm impressed that they were able to do it, but I'm not surprised that this is what it looks like when they're able to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, two more uh, minor things. Actually, this wasn't minor at all. It was they they spent a lot of time on it. The Dragon Quest XI S uh, Definitive Edition. Mm -hmm. They put a lot of new details in that, uh, uh, announcing I think for the first time that each of the main party characters or party members of, of, of that game are going to have their own stories in this and that the biggest complaint with the game has been addressed, which was that their, the, the, the town field and bat- battle music were all MIDI tracks and <laughs> the, there did exist or an orchestra, uh, orchestrated version of the whole soundtrack but the composer of the game has all the rights to the music, and he didn't want to put it in the game so he could sell more CDs and uh, concert oh, tickets. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a whole thing. But in Jeez. this version of the game, it will actually have the, uh, an option to turn on the orchestrated sound. In addition to some, like, uh, there's going to be Japanese voice acting where there was only English voice acting in the original and then, like, in the original Japanese version, there wasn't any voice acting at all. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so this does very much look like a definitive edition, but I, we already knew it was coming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how how excited you can, you can be about something that isn't a whole lot of new news, but it, it, it's just stuff we already knew about. And last one that I'm not including is the Hellblade Senua Sacrifice Switch port. This is important because this is a Microsoft game. Mm, yeah now yeah this is now owned by microsoft and it's being put on the switch before the only time microsoft had done that was with minecraft and i i think people were saying like don't expect them to put halo on something else or something or anything like that minecraft's a special thing okay but hellblade isn't and hellblade is now coming out on more things um, even after the Team Ninja or Ninja Theory, one of the two. I think it's Ninja <laughs> Nin- Theory. Uh, Ninja Theory. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Nin- when after the Ninja Theory buyout, I would I would suppose that this game was not supposed to come out on the Switch or like there weren't any plans for it, and then Microsoft bought them, and then it happened, which mm-hmm. is uh, crazy because this this would really. If this isn't just leading toward Microsoft becoming a third-party publisher like Sega did, um, this is an, a brave new world in, in terms of console collaborations and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we also know that um, soon GDC is going to happen, and when they do that, Microsoft is going to have a panel at GDC where they talk about bringing Xbox Live to other consoles. Uh, <laughs> we still don't know what that means. <laughs> But we're we're ex- we here at the Super Jump Podcast are excited to find out. Yes, exactly. I'm excited to hear exactly what that is because I'm so confused. Even though we talked about it for like 20 minutes last week, I still have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So I'm gonna read the list of the 10 announcements we have remaining, and I I, w- I want the two of us to work on ranking them from from number 10 being kind of like the. I guess lamest, they, they can all still be good, but uh, the lamest to the best, okay? So, just in the order that they appeared in the Direct, they are Super Mario Maker 2, Box Boy plus Box Girl, a special episode uh, paid DLC for Captain Toad, Disney Tsum Tsum Festival, 
Falco, Slippy, and Peppy missions in Starlink. Oninaki. The Tetris 99 Shadow Drop slash Beyonce. Um, new Fire Emblem Three Houses details. Astral Chain and Link's Awakening. So just uh, b- before you start, how do you feel about this Direct overall? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, you know, I wasn't... <clears throat> I don't... I didn't really have a lot of huge expectations coming in, mm-hmm. um, because it, you know I didn't feel it. W- it was not like the directs leading up to Smash where we we're like, okay, cool, we're gonna get some really big stuff. It was just yeah. a normal yeah, yeah, direct. Yeah. We we're like, oh, we're gonna see some stuff that that's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, they opened with a really good one, um, and then you know went through a lot of really cool stuff. So I think overall it was it was a fairly a good it was a good like February direct where you're not really expecting much, but they gave us some cool information. Yeah, there's the thing with this Direct that uh, we already knew quite a bit about what Nintendo had planned for this year. Like, uh, Yoshi and Luigi's Mansion 3, Animal Crossing, Bayonetta 3 is probably this year, we don't know yet. And Pokemon, Pokemon Generation 8. Mm -hmm. So I expected those things, and, and plus Fire Emblem Three Houses would be the focus of this direct like okay we'll see more we'll get like a release date maybe for luigi's mansion and maybe we'll see some animal crossing we didn't get any of that we got nothing none of those things (laughs) yeah none of those things so all the stuff they showed uh except for fire emblem and uh a little bit of yoshi were, were, were completely surprising to me yeah um like like earlier there, there was a, a, a news article or a news headline that was coming out at a bunch of different places saying, Nintendo says they have a brand new game for this year that they haven't announced yet. And in retrospect, like, yeah, dude, they had like 20. <laughs> yeah, like they had a bunch of these new yeah. games. Um, okay, so let's start at the bottom. Here, here are my hypotheses for what might be near the bottom. Disney Tsum Tsum Festival. Mm-hmm. The Captain Toad special episode. And box boy and box girl. Yeah, those those are those, those are the bottom three that I was thinking as well. Okay, uh, of those, what do you think is the bottom? Don't I think hold the, back. I think the bottom is probably the Tsum Tsum one because, as okay. far as I know, that's basically it's like a mobile game because I think there is a mobile Tsum Tsum game that looks similar, and there's a there game is, there's I, a mobile game, and I'm, I'm from what I know about it, the mobile game is just that part that they showed. That's like the, the the falling blocks puzzle. Yeah, that part. Yeah. But this has a bunch of uh, they look like Mario Party or maybe it's closer to like Nintendo Land sized mini games. Oh, in I there. See. Yeah. yeah. I think that yeah, I think it's still at the bottom though because that's one where it's like I mean that that's geared towards a specific audience. It's not me, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm sure somebody was gonna love the hell out of of uh, of Nintendo Tsum Tsum. Yeah, that's. Um, that, that, that's a good disclaimer I, it, it's geared towards someone and it's not me yeah um, <laughs> um which is tough to compete with things that are later in this list i think very much geared toward me yeah. uh and, and you probably just mm-hmm. classically good things okay the other two that we said were in the bottom three were um box boy and box girl and captain toad mm-hmm. maybe falco's uh, Slippy and Peppy missions in Starlink as well are, are near near the bottom. Yeah, I what think, do you think's right after Sum Sum? I think right after that, I think is is the Starlink one at least for me because that game okay. is just kind of like there. I mean, I'll like, like I'll let you say that. Yeah, <laughs> those are. I mean, I I'm sure that's cool for people that play it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Starlink did, um, apparently it, it did below expectations, and I haven't really heard too many people talking about it, mm -hmm. but getting more Star Fox stuff is always cool, which is, for me, why I would put it maybe above Captain Toad or Box Boy, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you here and say that it's number nine. Number eight, though, what's, what's next, What's next? There, I would say the Captain. What's it gonna Toad be, special. Wyatt? I'd say the Captain Toad. Captain, Toad. because okay. it's. I think the only reason that I put those there versus Box Boy, Box Girl, is because at least yeah. with Box Boy, Box Girl, it's an actual like it's a full game. Um, whereas these, it's just like a mission, like missions for Starling, and then a new episode for Captain Toad. Um, so at least with Box Boy, Box Girl, granted, it's not. I believe it, it's a, it's a port, so it's not like an actual, uh, it's not a brand new game that is right. new to everybody, but it's new to the Switch, um, so that's why I feel like I'll put it put it just a, just a smidge higher. I think all three of those are kind of like very on on the same level, though, or at least close. Starlink, very Captain close. Toad, and Box Boy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then number seven would be Box Boy, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The thing with Captain Toad that's so weird to me is that game is a 2014 game that's now getting its first DLC in 2019. <laughs> um, that's crazy. When has that happened before? Yeah, right? That's very odd. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked playing it back in 2014. I didn't get the Switch or 3DS versions when they came out last year because um, I had already played it. And this is actually more than anything kind of convincing me maybe i should check out captain toad which is uh why well, i think i would have put it above box boy which is not convincing me the same way hmm, but I I, I I agree with putting box boy up because um box boy does look like a much fuller game let's see so now we're, we're in the top six and this is where things are going to get a little more interesting probably mm -hmm. um Let's see what is remaining. Link's Awakening, Astral Chain, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Tetris 99, Oninaki, and Super Mario Maker 2. Um, I feel really bad about this, but I think I'm going to put Oninaki at 6. That's what I was thinking the exact same, yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough because it's a whole new IP from Square Enix, and that's something to get excited about. Yeah. It's it's probably going to be a good game, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's got... The art style and the way they presented it just made it seem kind of meh a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not yeah, a like, great I'm, I'm video game. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll read the, the reviews and kind of, yeah. maybe, you know, see what, what full-on gameplay looks like. Um, and like I said, it's a new Square Enix, which is always fun. Um, but with the other things that we have above it, I think it's just, it with, with what they gave us so far, I just don't think it can compete with, with the, the five that are left. This trailer fell into a um, a trend that I've been seeing from JRPGs trailers recently that I really don't like. And the, the Dragon Quest details do the same thing. Which is that they just go so far into the lore of the world. Because I think they know that once the game comes out, the thing that will be discussed online the most is likely the lore. And that's fair on them. But in terms of selling you on a game, that's not a hook. That... It's just not something I can get so excited about. 
Like in the Oninaki trailer, they were talking about how you can go to the land of the dead and how you can you can talk to souls and all that. And and just that might be exciting when I'm there in in the game, but for now, it doesn't give me a whole lot to to grab onto. I don't know why that's going to be exciting yet. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. So in that case, maybe that's just the 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 fault of a of a poor trailer. But you know, some of these games had good trailers, so it's yep. competitive. Number five, um, huh, Mario Maker, Tetris, Fire Emblem, Astral Chain, Link's Awakening. Fire Emblem? Yeah, that's that was what I was gonna say as well. Okay, because that like, seems it, rough to put. That's pretty. It does. Low. Because, yeah. I mean, like, Fire Emblem is kind of, like, their their big thing. I think, if anything, I would, like, maybe Fire Emblem and, and Tetris are fairly close. Yeah. I w- like, maybe Tetris yeah, would Fire. Yeah, you know, as, as much as I love the idea of a Tetris Battle Royale, it would be so unfair to put it above Fire Emblem. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. Because, like, cause, you know, Tetris 99, is, it's very fun. Um, but, but like a new fire emblem is a new fire emblem. So, um, a new fire emblem is a new fire emblem. And this is one of the examples, the the few examples where I think like getting into the lore of the game still don't do it as much as you did, but I think it actually did help a little bit in this trailer. Yeah. I, I, well, especially cause with this, at least it's an IP that people know, you know, fire, mm-hmm. fire emblem is something that people are familiar with. And especially this is the first, you know, I think was there any Fire Emblems like this for Wii U? Like a full... Like no. A, yeah, so like this is the first like main console uh, Fire Emblem that we're going to have versus like all of the just kind of 3DS port Or not ports, but the 3DS versions yeah. of games. So I think the first that... Fire Emblem on console since Path of Radiance, or maybe that's Radiant Dawn. I get those switched on uh, the Wii. Yeah. And then so, like, which this is a long one time that coming. isn't the GameCube one was. Yeah, it's been a long time. It, it People have been asking for a console-level Fire Emblem that, that feels as big as you think something that works like Fire Emblem can be. Mm. And uh, just them talking about that Hogwarts-esque school that you teach at mm-hmm. is is a hook. That's that's yeah. a lore thing that it's weird to get into. And like they probably didn't <laughs> need to like talk about the history of the continent like they did. Yeah. But that that Hogwarts school that's that's cool, man. I that's mm-hmm. like a cool framing device. Yeah, um, I think that's I, cool. it's a very yeah it's it's a it's yeah. an enticing way, especially as, as somebody that I love Harry Potter and I love that kind of atmosphere yeah, or, yeah. or that idea of just kind of being having a hub like that. It, it seems pretty uh, pretty sweet. And they've also done it in a way that makes sense for the students of the school to be adults because it's like a an adult thing that you're learning how to do mm-hmm. um fight in a war and i think that's great because you could make it really annoying and just have all little kids in this school and that would not be fun <laughs> that would not be particularly great yeah um i've i've never loved fire emblem as a series so much i played some of the earlier games and i kind of liked them but um this is one of the first times where i, I feel kind of compelled to play the fire emblem Mm-hmm. Or play a Fire Emblem game, a, a new Fire Emblem game, which uh, is, I guess, a, f- a fair reason to put it above Tetris 99. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 
you know, Fire Emblem is they're they're good games. They're fun. Um, I've never been like a, a a massive fan of them, but it it looks good. And this being kind of the first console Fire Emblem that we've had in in quite a long time, I'm excited for it, and I'll check it out. So I we're we're in the top three now. All these mm-hmm. things are really big deals, but I gotta I gotta level some bias with you. Okay. Link's Awakening was my favorite Zelda game before Breath of the Wild came out, <laughs> and it was one of my favorite games for a really long time. Um, for that reason, I'm actually not that excited about this remake. Really? Okay. Yeah. I I know everyone's losing their mind about it, and I think it looks so cute, and mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, hand-drawn animation opening was great. But there's just something about what Link's Awakening is that I think works really well on a handheld and like an actual handheld, not what the switch is when it's portable. Yeah. Uh, and it works really well when, when the graphics are, are so abstract and pixelated that you kind of need to build up that imaginary world for yourself. It, it works with what the theme of the games are or themes, themes of the game are. And uh, for me, I, I kind of like, don't like seeing a different interpretation of it but totally a bias totally just a bias thing that i'm i'm more than comfortable uh leaving out of the discussion i, I but so, if i was on my own and and i i wasn't recording a podcast or talking to you i'd probably put that at number three i i actually i'm, I'm gonna agree with that actually because oh okay yeah yeah whereas i i am excited for it because that that's one of the the I was never uh, a very big Zelda fan before Breath of the Wild. Um, like I, I've only finished two Zelda games in my life. I've Breath of the Wild and Ocarina of Time, and even okay. Ocarina of Time, I didn't finish until like three months before Breath of the Wild came out because I was just never a fan of that type of game when I was younger. Um, so I'm a very much like new person to the the uh, to the the Zelda franchise. But even with that being said, while it looks, you know, Link's Awakening, the remake, it looks cool, it looks it looks fun, and, and I'll definitely play it. But I think the other two games just give me a little bit more hype, and I'm a lot more excited for those than I am for yeah. this one. Yeah, and I think if we had James on this podcast, this conversation would go a lot differently. But <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to put it at number three. Yeah. Um, I'm, I still am excited about it, and I still am going to play the hell out of this game when it comes out mm-hmm. um but it it's kind of what it is it is what it is um the fact that they put it at the end does imply that it's kind of like their, their big secret feel good reveal of the direct yeah that said it's gonna be like a, a budget game it's gonna be a small game i doubt it'll be the full 60 dollars if it's 60 dollars that's wild yeah that would um, be a bit odd yeah especially yeah. because of, of uh because link's awakening came out what like early 90s or was it late 90s but it was in the 90s at some point it was early it was 93 93 yeah so like to charge 60 bucks for a remake of a game that's yeah what 26 years old yeah the the scope of the game in in terms of how much effort they're putting into environments and graphics and, and and feel looks great but it the game itself is is i it's probably like eight hours it's not long uh, which for an adventure game it is probably a deal breaker to a lot of people. Mm. Um, 
I, I hope they don't say it's $80. Uh, okay, so two and, <laughs> number two and number one, we got Astral Chain and Super Mario Maker 2. Um, what 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 is your feeling right now? Where, where would you put those? I think I would put Mario at two and Astral Chain at one. Okay, why? Because, so, well, I'm very excited for Mario Maker because I, I never got a Wii U, so... I'm excited to finally to to get in on the hype that is Mario Maker. You know, I've watched. You know, I mentioned Trihex earlier in the podcast, um, and he's a big Mario Maker. That was kind of how he blew up on Twitch. Uh, was he was one of the first people to stream Mario Maker the day it came out, and almost overnight he went from like a one to two thousand you know per stream or two thousand viewers per stream to like ten twelve k. Um, overnight because he was the only one streaming Mario Maker. So I've seen him play a lot of that over the years. Um, so I'm excited to do that. But there's just something about Astral Chain that just looks very good, and I'm really excited for this game. I, It's pretty close to me between these two in, in, in terms of how excited I am for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also got really into watching... Um, a, a, a number of YouTubers play Mario Maker. I love watching Grand Pooh Bear play Mario Maker. Oh yeah, his reaction to this to the uh, to Mario Maker Two was was yeah. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and you can tell it's completely genuine because uh, if you've been watching his older videos, he's been talking about some some stuff, just saying like, guys, we need we we need more themes in the game, just because I don't want to be looking at New Super Mario Brothers uh, the the castle theme like every time someone wants to make a hard level. Or, or, or just the uh, like the grass theme in Super Mario World. It comes up so often, and now they added a new style uh, to the, to the game. The the style being like which game it's based on with Super Mario 3D World, which is weird because that is not a 2D game, and they're they're playing it like it's a 2D game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just real excited for that. They, they've they added all the right things. Yeah. Uh, the the way they put slopes in is really clever. The um adding clear pipes to that Mario 3D World theme is amazing. Uh, so so many aspects of this game just worked out so well. And, and in the trailer, that trailer was brilliantly uh crafted to show off all of those unique points really yeah. quickly. Uh, so I'm so excited for that. And Astral Chain to me is also really exciting, but more of an unknown. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I I love the idea of a huge new IP from Platinum Games, uh, and hopefully in a, in a way that Platinum Games can actually retain ownership of the IP, because that is something they've had a really hard time with, where they don't actually own any of the games they've made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hope this is like a a new and the the first real Platinum IP. I and just that that big city shot you saw the city shot in the middle yeah. of the trailer. That's great. Nothing looks like that on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting. I if you want to say Astral Chain's number one, I'll I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll give it to you. Yeah, like it's just something like you know I love Platinum Games. I love that that fast paced kind of crazy action style. Um, so I, I I'm I I'm just really excited for it. And like I said, I I agree that these are both two very close ones. Um, and I think if I had more uh, experience with Mario Maker from the Wii U, I think I would be 
more excited. So I think it probably would have inched towards number one, but because I don't have that firsthand experience of playing it, just kind of only watching. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I think Astral Chain just edges it out just barely. But but both of these, I think, are, you know, if, if we look at, you know, just as the things that, that we've talked about on this list, if you add these to the to the stuff that we didn't get to hear about with Bayonetta, with Luigi's Mansion, with um, yeah, with uh, Pokemon Gen was it eight, I believe, or nine? Yeah, eight. Eight. So it's like this looks like. Whereas we already kind of thought this would be a fairly good year for the Switch because of those ones that we were looking forward to. And now that we have all of this as well, it's like this is just going to push it over the top even more. It really is, uh, especially after uh, earnings wise, Nintendo did pretty well in 2018 because pokemon let's go and smash brothers ultimate sold faster than anything else they've ever put on the console yeah uh and that's three games technically so that Mm -hmm. worked out but just those games were in november and december and half of them aren't good (laughs) in my opinion uh in, in my in my controversial opinion half of them aren't very good and and this year looks so much better than that. It's spread out through the entire year. Yeah. Well, actually, it's kind of not actually. Uh, it's, yeah, because I think what I think Yoshi is one of the first big ones, and that's not until March. Yeah, Yoshi, Damon X Machina. Um, let me look through this list. Actually, what Tetris happened right now, um, and Super Mario Maker Two will all be in the first half of the year. While Astral Chain, probably Link's Awakening, definitely Fire Emblem, um, definitely a- Animal Crossing, because we definitely would have heard about it if not. Yeah. Um, Luigi's Mansion, probably. Bayonetta 3, if that happens. Metroid Prime Trilogy, if that happens. Uh, that's still a, a rumored thing. All of that would be in the, se- the second half of the year, which is a great second half of the year. But may- maybe we're, we're just kind of still in that 2008 teen spirit right now with yeah. for the first couple months mm-hmm. it'll pop off when it gets to mario maker 2 i'm so excited one of the things i i hope they put in the game wyatt is mm-hmm. the ability to make to make a a, a a world like like how mario would define worlds where where there's like a, with a overworld map connecting yeah. levels and that way you could uh not only just bring one level to the next like a like a linear thing you, you could have secret exits that go to other levels uh because that way you'd actually have something to hide in a mario level Mm -hmm. that is a worthwhile secret to find because usually in mario maker they're like okay here's a here's a you found a secret it's a one-up mushroom because that's all i have to give you yeah (laughs) Uh, but if you you make a world map you could make secret exits a thing and, and actually exploring could be more worthwhile and i i hope they do something to that effect yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I'd like Well, that. that's been our show. Um, it, uh, if you wanted that list from the bottom to the top, so you can yell us yell at us on Twitter for it. <laughs> uh, number 10 was Sum Sum. 9 was Starlink's New Missions. Number 8 was Captain Toad's Special Episode. Number 7 was Box Boy plus Box Girl. Number 6 was Oninaka, Oninaki. Um, number 5 was Tetris 99. Number four was Fire Emblem Three Houses. Number three was The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Number two was Super Mario Maker 2. And number one was Platinum's new game, Astral Chain. Um, people are going to get so mad at how low we put Fire Emblem in Link's Awakening, but it's fine. 
It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You gotta you gotta give room to the to the new people. The old guard, they've been there for a long time. Fire Emblem Link. I mean, I say that as we have a Super Mario game in the top two. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> but but Mario is, is the is the centerpiece of Nintendo. I mean, you know, granted Link and, and Fire Emblem are also there, but Mario is the you know, he is he is the the <laughs> shoulders on which to fall Nintendo. apart as you were saying. <laughs> it did. It did. I said it and I was like, Well well, okay, there's these other things too, but you know, it's yeah. Whatever. I get what you're kind of getting at. <laughs> you 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 know what I mean. You you. I, I got there, sort of. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. If you want to explain to Wyatt why his joke didn't work, uh, you can do so at podcast at superjumpmagazine dot com. That's podcast at superjumpmagazine dot com. You can also find us all over the place. We have a Facebook page, Twitter page. You can find the actual magazine itself at superjumpmagazine dot com, and that's our our medium page where we upload great articles and uh and, and podcast episodes and all that stuff and um y- you could spend hours just diving through super jump magazine articles it's like reading an old nintendo power which is a, a huge compliment for me i i used to spend so many hours of my recess and, and lunch in like middle and elementary school mm-hmm. just bring reading through a nintendo power that i brought in my backpack um so it was. I didn't have a lot of friends at the time, but I did have a lot of issues of Nintendo Power, so it worked out. Um, <laughs> let's head into our after-school activities. My after-school activity this week, Wyatt, is uh, the classic Dragon Quest games on iOS and Android. I've been talking about them a lot recently. Uh, it, it occurred to me that I should just formally recommend people get into them, because they are good. And they are uh, relatively stress-free JRPGs to get into. You're not... In, in, in a lot of JRPGs, you're going to say, okay, well, this is going to be 100 hours of my life, and I need to learn all these systems and, and make emotional ties with all these characters. In Dragon Quest, you don't have to do that. It, it's... Um, I, num- numbers... Dr- Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 are probably like 8 hours, 10 hours, and maybe 20-ish hours, uh, respectively. And just starting with those first two, those uh, relatively easy to get into first two, are totally enjoyable. I absolutely recommend it. They are, at least on the Android, the Google Play Store, they are $3, $5, and $10. Uh, just just start with one, uh, number one or number two, and I think it'll be really fun. Uh, a, a good time, it, especially for just passing time on your phone. It's a lot better to play than like Snake or whatever other people are playing on their phones. I guess that's an old example of what people would play on their phones. <laughs> what are people playing on their phones now? Uh, Candy Crush. Still? I guess that might still be that might even be an old one still too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many people still play Candy Crush. Crash of I don't, I don't Clash know of what Clans. Maybe Clash right? of that's, Clans. Maybe? Yeah. That's or Clash Royale, the, the 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 like card tower defense version of Clash of Clans. Hearthstone? Are people doing Hearthstone on their phones? Maybe. <laughs> I used to. Well, man, neither of us have any idea. We're, we're so of, out of touch. We're, we're kind of lame <laughs> video game journalists. Uh, Wyatt, do you have an after-school activity? I do, yeah. So um, so number one, I would say if you haven't played Apex, play it because it's very fun and it's free. At least give it a shot. Oh, yeah. um, but number two, speaking of the Nintendo Direct, um, I've talked about his videos before. Um, but his name is Maximilian Dude, um, and it's right, Dude, yeah. D-O-O-D. Um, so he did a reaction video for the Direct the other day, and it was pretty good. Um, he's always, he's very, his reactions are, are usually fairly 
uh, funny and just and he gives a lot of really good kind of talk about things. Even though his channel is mainly dedicated to fighting games, uh, Nintendo Directs are something that he always uh, does reactions to, and as well as E3. So definitely, if you if you like what you see, stick around for once uh, E3 rolls around. But uh, he had a, a really good reaction to the uh, to the Nintendo. Nintendo Direct because he's an old school gamer as well, so he you know has a lot of opinions on the different kind of games that popped up. So definitely check that out on YouTube if you've got the chance. Cool, uh, I definitely will. So thank you so much for being on the show, Wyatt, and thank you so much for all the listeners out there uh, that that stuck around through the hour and ten minute or so podcast. Uh, we really appreciate your listenage. Uh, listenage, yeah, I'll take it. That's a word. <laughs> we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, it's probably obvious that we don't get like so many listeners, but I we do get a number of listeners that return every single week. Uh, we, we can tell just from looking at the numbers, and it, it's it's more than I ever expected we would have. So thank you just so much for supporting the show, even just by listening. Um, it, if you are one of those people, we'd appreciate like a little bit of a tweet out or something about the show. Uh, word of mouth is still the way that we grow uh, fastest. So thank you so much. Our theme song has been by Jamitar. It's Jerome. The name of the theme song is Jerome. Thanks for listening, and stay so